Attention ASRM Today listeners, are you ready for the event of the year? Register now for the ASRM 2023 Scientific Congress and Expo, the premier conference for reproductive medicine happening in New Orleans, Louisiana, October the 14th through the 18th. Get ready to immerse yourself in cutting-edge scientific sessions, engaging workshops, and once-a-year networking opportunities. Discover the latest breakthrough in reproductive science, exchange ideas with industry leaders, and expand your clinical knowledge. With over 200 expert speakers and hundreds of exhibitors showcasing the latest advancements in reproductive technology, this is the event you cannot afford to miss. Mark your calendar and register now for ASRM 2023 New Orleans by visiting www.asrmcongress.org. On with the show. Welcome to ASRM Today, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into the current topics in reproductive medicine. I'm Jeffrey Hayes. Today on the show, a conversation about reproductive issues faced by the LGBTQ plus population. To guide this conversation, our guests today are a part of the ASRM LGBTQ plus special interest group. First up, past chair, Dr. Mark Leanderis. Medical Director at Alum Fertility, and joining him is incoming chair, Dr. Buchitra Sang, the Director of Clinical Research, John Hopkins University School of Medicine, Department of Gynecology and Obstetrics, Division of Reproductive Sciences and Women's Health Research. Thank you both for being with us on the show today. Hey, Jeff, thank you for having us. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's just really an honor and a privilege to be here to talk about these issues. So I'll just open with the with this question. The purpose of the ASRM LGBTQ plus special interest group, what has it accomplished since its inception? You know, Jeff, that's a really important question. I think that uh, it's really important to note that the founding of the LGBTQ special interest group was actually put forward by allies of the LGBTQ plus community that were part of ASRM. And I want to really thank all the allies out there that have kind of elevated the message. You know, pretty much the vast majority of people of the LGBTQ plus community need reproductive services. But for years upon years, we were kind of like quiet about it. And, and there may be some more to say about that. But but now there is an LGBTQ plus track at ASRM. There are multiple abstracts that are submitted to that. There, we're raising awareness of that LGBTQ plus are multiple different pathways to parenthood. You know, we talk about the rainbow and the rainbow includes also our allies in the entire straight community. And, and there needs to be cross-pollination between those. So raising this awareness of the need for donors, the need for the relieving donor anonymity, talking about pathways to parenthood for the different sex, the LGBTQ plus community, and, and, you know, really making it like, okay, to understand that we all need to learn. And I think that, um, I think I feel very comfortable saying this. I think for years, all the members of ASRM acknowledged that they wanted to serve the LGBTQ plus community better, but there wasn't a place for that learning and teaching and, and willingness to make mistakes to happen. And now the LGBTQ plus special interest group is kind of 
working towards that. And it's been fascinating with the LGBTQ plus community, plus the access to care special interest group, we're really elevating ASRM's kind of reach to everyone who wants to be a parent. Because no matter how you come to know that you want to be a parent, ASRM should be there to help you. Absolutely. And I wanted to ask you, Dr. Sang, why then is it important to have the space to discuss, in your opinion, the reproductive issues faced by the LGBTQ plus population at uh, ASRM? What should they know? Uh, Thank you for that question. Uh, First, I would actually take a point from what Mark said. Uh, It is a great place of learning and exchange of ideas. There's not just physicians, there's physicians, nurses, patient advocates, and patients themselves sometimes come and join us at ASRM special interest group meetings. So it's an avenue where everybody brings their issues or problems that they're facing in delivery of good quality care to LGBTQ individuals in the reproductive arena. So all of those cross-disciplinary networks coming together leads to the creation of a sphere of learning which just emboldens patients, providers alike, to be able to provide better care, to have discussions, to develop guidelines, which would then uh, actually empower patients to receive the care that they deserve. Along with that, I think it's a great opportunity at ASRM-SIG to network and build these professional bridges across disciplines to deliver good quality care to these patients. And that's why I think it's important to have this important space at ASRM to develop these conversations better so that we can serve the patient population eventually with a good quality product that we have to deliver. So along with things such as practice guidelines, getting these publications out, getting more information out there, I'm sure that a lot of times, and I hate to assume anything, but that a lot of the membership has infinite number of questions you know, about about how to approach things. And I, I wanted to ask you, Dr. Leanderes, can you talk a little bit about the views on the codification of LGBTQ plus marriage into, into U.S. law? Yeah, I mean, there's been so much change over the past 20 years. You know, you know, we we've come out of the AIDS epidemic. We kind of marched into LGBTQ plus family building maybe full force. And and now there's maybe a, a little bit of backlash against that. But to, to you know, take it step by step with the Supreme Court affirming gay magic marriage in 2015, and now it basically law the land that you can kind of almost marry whoever you want and your marriage is recognized is, is such a huge step for our community and many different ethnic and racial communities to feel secure is just part of, you know, why I'll be kind of kitschy about this. I'm proud to be an American, right? I think we have to understand in many places of the world, you can be persecuted or even put to death for being part of the LGBTQ plus community. I think that, you know, it's an interesting kind of wave or backlash against kind of affirming the presence of our community in the United States with everything from transphobia to book burning to the fact that drag queens can't even read a story to children anymore. That being said, the fact that 
it's now codified into law that we have the right to marry and the right to love and the right to really exist makes it even a space, a safer space for us to have our families. I can certainly share that when we had our second child, we gave birth in a state where it took six months to get a birth certificate. It wasn't actually that safe, right? The world is coming towards us, looking towards us as this example. And I think that ASRM needs to be that example. And one of the things that I know has kind of been put out there, and I know that it's part of uh, our work is to kind of redefine the definition of infertility. You know, the, the reality is, is that there's different types of infertility. And if you are part of the LGBTQ plus community, you most likely have infertility, but it's not the same type of infertility and it's not really by choice. So for ASM leadership to basically, you know, allow us to exist, which, you know, they welcomed us and now to give us a track allows us to basically put forward a message of inclusivity. And I think that pretty much, you know, the vast majority of people in healthcare want to help other people. And, you know, the desire to be a parent is just so essential. And it's independent of sexual orientation or gender gender identity. And to recognize that is so important. So I think, you know, moving forward here, we need to, like, call out. And, and I know the, the political of ASRM, political arm of ASRM is willing to put forward their stance on this. We need to call out that there are some things that just aren't acceptable, that people who want to be parents, should be allowed to be parents. And it shouldn't be exclusive, it should be inclusive. And it is just fascinating that all around the world, people are coming to the United States as members of the LGBTQ plus community to build their families and feel safe. And we need our professional organization to also be part of that. And, and they have been, and they're stepping up to the plate more and more. So I'm really proud of that. And it's always kind of kitschy to use the word proud during pride. But the reality is, is, you know, ASRM is doing a good job. And I think there's more change in the wind. Dr. Sang, I, I want to ask you then, with this influx of population, and as, as the ability to receive care continues to grow, how do we manage this anxiety, this expectation when delivering care to individuals in the LGBTQ plus community, is there is there are there are there any guidelines or are there what what exists? Thank you for that question, Jeff. Yes, guidelines do exist now <laughs> since the last few decades to provide equitable, good quality care to LGBTQ individuals. But of course, there are spaces which can be improved upon, and all like all other practice guidelines for any individual, for LGBTQ individuals as well, we would like practice guidelines that guide with empathy, with confidence, and with actionable items that actually help and tackle the issues that are specifically affecting the LGBTQ individuals in accessing care, particularly reproductive care. So with that in mind, with that goal in mind, LGBT SIG has been working tirelessly over the last few years to develop new and better practice guidelines and policies to transform, or at least 
aid in development of these policies that would transform how LGBTQ plus individuals interact with the fertility care systems across the U.S. And hopefully that is translating all over the world with the reach that ASRM has. The ultimate goal essentially is not just the act of the medical care, but also the entire experience is eliminated from the fact of bias and discrimination. That can begin with just making a phone call to a fertility care system and asking for an appointment. So starting from the very first point of contact that an LGBTQ plus individual has with a healthcare system, then to actually going to the appointment, seeing their providers, and then actually following the medical care and eventually accomplishing their uh, reproductive goals. Uh, there are practice guidelines which we are developing and are in place, uh, but will be improved upon in the coming years so that a person feels safe and receives their quality care that they deserve in a timely manner to achieve their health and family goals. That is the goal that we are trying to achieve through the LGBTQ SIG. Dr. Leonidere, I want to ask you then, does this mean that ASRM needs to develop practice guidelines that customize to an individual person, you know, to meet all the comprehensive individualized care that would be needed? Thank you, Jeff, for that question. I think where medicine is heading now is personalization of care. And, you know, I already mentioned this a little bit further that, you know, there's multiple arms within the LGBTQ plus community, just like there's multiple arms within our, within our infertility community, everything from PCOS to diminished ovarian reserve to male factor. So for the LGBTQ plus special interest group to provide guidelines that are not just grouping the entire community under one arm, but, you know, guidelines for trans care, guidelines for cis female care, guidelines for gay male family building. And then, you know, just putting it all together allows people to feel safe. And I think one of the things that I am very comfortable saying is that if you build it, they will come. We know from a 2019 white paper from, from the Family Equality Council, there's 3.8 million LGBTQ plus individuals that want to pursue family building. And they need a place to do that. So as a practice, as an organization, if we can provide the information and the space for the patients and the providers to know what to do, those patients not only will achieve their family building goals, but they will also make our country and our organization someplace where people can look towards for information. I mean, just for example, you know, if you think about it, we for years upon years upon years would look at a cisgender female couple almost the same as an infertile opposite sex couple. But the reality is, is that just through IUI, pregnancy rates continue to go up through eight and nine and 10 IUIs for same-sex female couples. So you don't have to like push that person towards in vitro fertilization. You can let them try a little longer because you oftentimes you have a, a good sperm source from, you know, the, the donor bank, right? And, and the other thing I think that's important is that you know, I have two daughter conceived children, right? So that's great. I'm very happy to talk about that. But donor conception has always been shrouded in kind of secrecy and anonymity. And for our community, we're like 
so happy that somebody's going to help us have our family. So moving the needle away from anonymity is talked about openly now. And the fact that that our children, who are probably the greatest concern for any parent to be, are going to want to know more, just puts forward the fact that we need to remove anonymity from the equation of donor conception, not only for the LGBTQ plus community, but for the egg recipient community that might need donor egg or the male couple that might need donor sperm. Because we all do things as parents that we don't necessarily want to do. And having that door open for our children to know more is important. So I think within this kind of rubric of reproductive health, it's been interesting. I think there's a move to think about what's best for the children. And I think the LGBTQ plus community has can kind of push that rubric because we understand that we're gonna to have to explain to our children that their creation story is a little bit different, but they were desperately loved and really desperately wanted. I think it's fascinating to think about the fact that 50% of pregnancies in the United States are accidental, right? That's not we what we see within ASRM, but nearly 0% of pregnancies in the LGBTQ plus community are accidental, right? So you can really, really flip the coin and, and, and just talk about the fact that, you know, providing assistance to everybody who wants to be a parent, acknowledging donor conception as a pathway to parenthood, as well as adoption, as well as foster to adopt is something that the LGBTQ special interest group can advance and just like, you know, take it out of secrecy, and sorry to say it this way, the closet, and, and just just put it out there. I couldn't agree more, Mark, on this particular thing. I think it's the love and desire to have a family one way or the other that really guides a person to go and talk to an infertility doctor, to have a family, to be able to call somebody their own. And I think uh, with uh, some of these things shouted and the security of uh, anonymity makes it difficult sometimes and sometimes, you know, it makes people comfortable with the idea of starting a family of their own. So I can see the pros and cons of both of those things, but I, I agree with you. I think an optimal step would be to provide um, a safe space to have these conversations between the parents, their kids, and the society as whole uh, to make it more of a bite-sized information for people to digest evolve into the conversation that we all so badly need it to be and accept in time that there are more than one ways to have a family and um, to have a kid biological or adopted or however you actually achieve your goals to have a family. I think it is critical to have those conversations. And these kids are have social media presence. I think that really changes uh, the way people have conversations. People have access to 23andMe and, and so on and so forth. It becomes exceedingly difficult in time to hide something uh, that would eventually come out potentially. Now, I agree. I think there needs to be evolve, evolution in this conversation about family creation, and that will help families feel more united and feel the love and desire that the parents had to expand their family and uh, call somebody theirs. So adding on to that, I mean, conceiving through donor gametes is part of our 
ASRM job, right? Yeah. Uh, and and I know that even within my own practice, there's been a transition um, to just being open to talk about that anonymity is dead. Yeah. And, and you're going to want this door open to, to your child. I also think it's really important for ASRM and us all to understand the burden of family building for the LGBTQ plus community. It's, it's not only sometimes like two years of thinking about how you're going to do it, but it's 10, 20, 30, or hundreds of thousands of dollars to move forward with having a child, depending on how you come to your family building pathway, whether you need just a donor or whether you need a donor and a surrogate and IVF. You know, part of recognizing different pathways to parenthood and recognizing the different definitions of infertility will also move insurance companies and the country and state mandates towards being more inclusive. And once again, for everybody out there offering fertility care, that means more people can access care and can have a family. And uh, so I think, you know, there's a lot of, unfortunately, politics involved in family building, but there's also an opportunity to take those politics and move them in a positive direction for everyone. And I think that, I mean, I've been saying this for years, you know, the LGBTQ plus community doesn't want more. They just want the same access to care. Yes. And I know that ASRM recognizes that. And I think that's part of what the special interest group's mission is to recognize that, that we just want to be able to come to your office and feel safe, you know, and understand that, that, when when somebody answers the phone, they don't automatically ask who my wife is, right? And understand that that there might be a time that somebody comes in who phenotypically looks male, who may actually have a uterus and ovaries, right? And that person is really fearful of coming to a medical office, right? And to allow the providers to have the space to make those mistakes and educate them, that's part of our mission. So at the LGBTQ special interest group, we're trying hard to like get these practice guidelines out, but you can imagine that it's hard. It's hard to like be inclusive of all these little colors of the rainbow and also acknowledge that not everybody may agree with our right to exist, but I think most people agree that they want to help others at ASRM and help others be parents. So it's really a delicate line to walk. And we're just trying to walk that. And I think that's why it's taking a little bit of time for us to get these guidelines out. You know, it's a personal passion of mine. And it's also has to be done within a sense of inclusivity for ASRM, who really tries to allow everyone within. ASRM to make their own decisions. We're almost out of time. I, I want to make sure I get this last question in. Say I'm an ASRM member or a general listener of this podcast, a provider, uh, something along those lines. What can I do? How do I contact you? How, how do I contact the SIG to contribute to the conversation to help identify, you know, needs for maybe for their own practice or for their own, you know, surrounding community? You can visit us at our webpage, or uh, if you'll Google LGBTQ SIG, S-I-G, 
uh, ASRM. It'll take you to our landing page on the ASRM website, and you can visit our online community page. Uh, you can also reach out to us directly. My email uh, will be available to you to send me any questions, concerns, any projects that you want to work on and uh, move this conversation forward. Uh, the goal here is to have an involved community because an involved community moves the ideologies forward. And if there is something that the SIG has not discussed before, we would like to hear from you, our members. And if you are not a member, feel free to become a member and we'll see you at the next ASRM meeting. Speaking of which, is there anything at the upcoming ASRM meeting that we need to know about? Well, we are hoping to have a get together uh, at the SRM meeting. Uh, we usually do have an online get together was last time, but we're hoping to meet in person this time to discuss, our, to have our business meeting where we discuss potential ideas for plenary sessions, for poster sessions, roundtable sessions for the upcoming meetings. So it helps to bring those ideas together that needs to be, that need to be evolved. And we would love your feedback on what topics you would like to hear the ASRM LGBTQ SIG to focus on. What we'll do then too is uh, we'll post in our show notes any links, email addresses, web pages, whatnot, so that people can access that as soon as they listen to the show. They can just scroll down and do this. I, I want to thank you both. My guests today have been Dr. Sang and Dr. Leanderis. Thank you both so much for coming on the show and guiding us in this in this conversation. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you so much, Jeff, and uh, thank you for everybody for listening. And uh, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and until next time, I'm Jeffrey Hayes, and this is ASRM Today. This concludes this episode of ASRM Today. For show notes, author information, and discussions, go to asrmtoday.org. This material is copyrighted by the American Society for Reproductive Medicine and may not be reproduced or used without express consent from ASRM. ASRM Today series podcasts are supported in part by the ASRM Corporate Member Council. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ASRM and its affiliates. These are provided as a source of general information and are not a substitute for consultation with a physician. 